RadioInfluence.com. He's a pastor, an author, a radio and television talk show host, and an activist. Jesse Lee Peterson is here to reveal and repel the lies and deception coming from the left that far too many of us have bought into, blacks particularly, on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available on RadioInfluence.com or your favorite podcast platform. A great way to show your support is by subscribing to this podcast, give it a rating, and leave a review. And be sure to tell your friends about the broadcast. You might think a black man who was raised on an Alabama plantation under the Jim Crow South, then moved to Los Angeles as a teenager during the turbulent race-tinged era, would be a voice leading the charge of a still racist America and faithfully supporting Black Lives Matters. Well, in regard to Jesse Lee Peterson, think again. Peterson's viewpoint on political and religious issues clash violently with the Democratic Party's anti-God and anti-Constitution agendas. He's the voice of reason radicals would never want you to hear. Why? Let's get into it. He's a talk show host, the host of the Jesse Lee Peterson radio show. He's also a television host. His YouTube series is called The Fallen State. He's a pastor, counselor, activist, speaker, media commentator, author, and columnist. He counsels men and women, young and old, dealing with emotional, relational, and personal problems. He leads Sunday services, forums, town halls, rallies, protests, and conferences. He speaks in schools, churches, universities, juvenile detention centers, jails, and prisons. He is the founder and president of Bond, the Brotherhood Organization of a New Destiny, which is a Los Angeles-based nonprofit organization nationally recognized for its dedication to rebuilding the family by rebuilding the man he's been involved in that for more than 30 years. I am been wanting to talk to this gentleman for so long. His latest book is entitled The Antidote, Healing America from the Poison of Hate, Blame, and Victimhood. I am happy to bring to the show the Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you for having me on, man. I totally appreciate it. And I appreciate you being here, yeah. Jesse. And let's start right here. Let's start with your book. Your, you know, the, the latest book, and I do want to get into Scam, one of your other books, but your latest book, The Antidote for Healing America from the Poison of Hate, Blame, and Victimhood. Before you tell America what the book is about, please tell me what you think right now is the number one problem we have in this nation. The number one problem is that men have been turned away from God, and because of that, the world is operating in darkness. The United States is operating in darkness instead of the light because men are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And when the light goes out in men, it goes out in the world. You can't see the right way to go. Um, And men should follow Christ as the world will follow men. Women and children will follow the man. And so 
delight in men have gone out. And not all, not all, not all, but most. And then the destruction of the family, because the destruction of the family is where the tone is set for the children and how to deal with the issues of life and they can recognize good and evil. They'll grow up not angry. And so the kids are growing up without good fathers and mothers to guide them in the right way to go by being a good example. And until we uh, turn back the order of God, God in Christ, Christ in man, man over woman and woman over children, nothing is going to get better. It's going to only get worse instead of getting better because the order of God is the order of God and nothing else will work but that. Everything else is a false imitation. So we got to turn men back to the father in order for things to change. I understand your point. And, uh, you know, good luck, America, with that one. This is why Jesus said the road is narrow. That road is very narrow. And people have to find the right road, the wide road that leads to destruction. Everybody's automatically on it. As you know, you got to find the road because either you think you're on the right road to salvation, to heaven, and you're not, or false prophets, which we will get into, are leading you and steering you onto the road. How, with with the church having been infiltrated by communists and, you know, the the Marxists and everything, and, and the Jesus pick up your cross and follow me, it's been replaced by social justice and a soft religion. How are we going to find our way? Like how, where the voice of Christ is being so muffled and the men are being, you know, just ripped apart by television and the movies and everything and all these me groups and women groups. How do, how do we get back to what God initially planned? As you just said, father, you know, God, you know, then the wife and the children. Right. The way to get back is that each person must seek the kingdom of God in his right way for themselves. You can't rely on any kind of outside source to do that for you. Christ said that the kingdom of heaven is within, that it is at hand. And what we need to do is pull away from the crowd and get to know ourselves. We need to see what's going on within us, each individual. And once you see what's going on with you, it will cause you to understand what's happening outside of you, inside others, because there is clearly a bit uh, uh, a spiritual battle going on in you, in each individual between good and evil. Mm-hmm. And if we were to get to know ourselves, we would God would draw us into the kingdom. He would allow us to see what's going on, and each individual would be able to deal with what's going on in the world outside of them, because the world outside is not going to get better anytime soon, if at all. But if we were born again of the Father, we would be able to handle whatever the world is, you know, whatever is happening in the world, we would have no fear, no doubt. We would be in the world, but not of it, knowing that the Father would take care of us no matter what happened, Mm -hmm. because he's in control of everything, and he would take care of his own. And so yep. we have to be individuals who pull away from the crowd and get to know God for ourselves by knowing ourselves. We need to look within for the kingdom of heaven. 
Yeah, this is this is where it's really, really, truly at. And the yeah. people that do that, they got you. You get born again, the holy born of the Holy Spirit, and God will change you from the inside out, and your vision will change because you'll start seeing things through Christ's eyes. And boy, the world looks very, very different through an eye yeah. than His eyes do through the country's and, eyes. So tell and us about world, the, and, and salvation is about uh, a renewed heart. God said that he would turn our hearts from stone to love. Mm -hmm. He said that anyone who has anger is a murderer. If you have hatred in your heart, you're a murderer. So salvation is changing the heart from hate to love. He would change it from hate to love. And hate or anger, whatever you want to call it, is the nature of the devil. And then love, which comes from God, is the nature of God. And we will have the power to defeat the darkness with the nature of God once the heart changed. If you notice, there is no love in America today. I remember when I was growing up, there was love in America between all races. All black people were not against white folks and all white people were not against black people because we knew that it was a spiritual battle. It was not about color. It was not about male or female. It was about right versus wrong, good versus evil. And that is existed in all culture, good people and evil people. That was understood, but that's not understood today. It's nothing but hatred in America today. It's all Shame. evil. Yeah, and we'll get into what happened. I, I wanna, I wanna uh, highlight something you said, because you said what Jesus did say, that if you have anger in your heart, you're a murderer, and some people, I'm no murderer, I, I get angry, but I don't. People, here's what you got to understand. Here's what Jesus is telling you. He's telling you in a perfect world, if you took away the judges, if you took away the law, if you took away the police, if you took away any punishment for whatever you did, and you were left up to your own device as to how you would respond and react to your fellow man, a lot of people, the anger they have could drive them to kill somebody because they look around and they do it if there's no punishment. Because yeah. if you have anger in your heart, that anger can lead to murder. And it has with many times. How many times have, have people smacked their children? I, I had a cousin that accidentally hit his daughter, killed her. He had wow. to go to prison. She was yeah. a young kid. He, he was just angry. He didn't want to kill her. He just backhanded her something and, and, and she hit a table and dead. You know, see, see, so th that anger, you never know. It's just like with stealing. If you saw a Mercedes sitting there and you knew you could take it and nobody would do anything that everybody's left up to their own devices. How many people, when you see people walking around the streets now playing gun smoke, how many people would just put a bullet in your head and just take your car? Yeah. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a sad it's a sad thing, but Jesus I mean, is right and you're right about what you said. Well, that's happening now. I would just looking at a report uh, in California, there are uh, people going around stealing jewelry. They're breaking into jewelry stores up in Beverly Hills, all the way out to West, West LA, which is a nice area out there. And they are sending people up, pretending that they want to buy jewelry because a lot of folks go online, I guess, and they want to sell a product. So they'll meet up with people in parking lots and things like that. And they're pretending they want to buy the, the watch or the, whatever the jewelry may be. And, the, the seller shows up and they're snatching it from him and taking off with it. There are people in West LA who are sitting in cafes uh, wearing nice jewelry and uh, they're being robbed. People coming up to them, robbing it and taking it away from them. And so uh, they're starting to live in fear. 
the uh, and instead of telling, instead of the cops and others coming in, I know they have defunded the police, but instead of our government, local government protecting the people by adding more cops and making sure they're around, they're telling the people, oh, don't wear jewelry, don't wear your expensive jewelry. So the people have to make the sacrifice for the criminals and not the criminals making the sacrifice for the innocent. They have, it's like the world is upside down now. They've changed everything around. And it's just so wicked. I never thought I would see that in America. And that is because these people have anger. Satan is their daddy and they're out of control. And now that we don't have a law to contain them, they're totally going out of control. Yeah, I, I hear you. Now, we, I want to get to your latest book, but since you uh, brought up you never thought you would see this. Let's think about what you thought you would see. People, if you don't know, Jesse grew up on a plantation in Alabama back during the Jim Crow days. So the racism that you that they're calling racism now, and we'll get into all the isms because I love how you say <laughs> isms don't exist. Because right. They don't. It's, I, to me, it's purely part of cultural Marxism to try and change, get people indoctrinated to thinking a certain way. But you grew up with real racism. What is this racism that they call it today? And you said you never thought you would see it like this. You grew up in the Jim Crow South where they would hang, the Klan, Klan would hang blacks. Uh, now you're saying, I never thought you'd get to see what you're seeing today. Please, you know, capsulize that into what it used to be like and what it's like today. Well, first of all, as you said, I grew up in Alabama under the Jim Crow law. And I remember the full colors on the signs and all those things. But for us, everything was fine. We just dealt with life. And we got along with the whites who didn't have a problem with blacks and blacks didn't have a problem with them. I went to school. My There are members of my family who bought land, who own a whole bunch of land. And uh, their kids went to school and graduated. Some went to college. Some became businessmen. Uh, the word racism did not exist. It was always understood, always understood that our battle was a spiritual battle. It was a warfare between good and evil. And so if someone were mean to you, it didn't matter what color they were, they knew it as evil. They're just an evil person, unhappy person, and they were trying to make someone else unhappy. And it was never called racism. And we, the Jim Crow law was understood to be a law that was created by the Democratic Party because the Democrats did not want the blacks to be a part of their party at the time. Mm -hmm. No blacks were allowed to be Democrats. And that's what the Jim Crow law was all about. It was never intended to hold blacks down, but it was intended to keep them out of the Democratic Party. And that was understood as well. And uh, so we just knew to treat our neighbors the way we would like to be treated. You know, treat people in the right way, you'll be fine. It was never told to be racism. And it wasn't until, from what I can remember, it wasn't until the so-called civil rights movement started. And I have to tell you, one of the worst things that ever happened to black people the is the civil rights movement. Rights movement. It really was. Tell and them why. Have, Tell they them have why. not recovered mm -hmm. since that time. They only gotten worse because instead of having God as their head, they have people as their head. Jesse Jackson and... Uh, uh, Louis Farrakhan and all those people at the time, whoever they are, they uh, they became the head of the blacks 
And as a result, black people stop being individuals. They stop thinking for themselves. They stop working for themselves. They believed into this lie about racism. And once they believe that, it's just been downhill ever since to what we have today. And unless that changes, only going to get worse. Because you should never have no human being over you. Only God is out of here, no human being. And if you put someone else, people, places, and things over you, that will become your God or they will become your God and you would not know God and life would become hard for you. Right. Now, let's go back to the civil rights movement. Okay, so you have the civil rights movement and I, you know, there were things, I I was in New Jersey at the time and I couldn't sleep in the uh, hotel, one of the hotels in, uh, in, 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 in my town and there were things, little things going on. It wasn't as bad as it was in the South. But, all the black families that I knew, there was a mother and father in the house, your brothers yeah. and sisters, you went to church, you were respectful of the law, you were respectful of teachers. If if I got, if I did something, uh, you know, out in the street, uh, and I grew up in suburban New Jersey, if I did something, somebody would have first reprimanded me, and it wouldn't matter whether they were black or white, they would have reprimanded me, made the phone call to my parents, so I knew by the time I got home, I'm really going to hear about it. Yeah. You know, and the fathers were in the home. The fathers were the head of the household. They weren't perfect men. They may have had some problems, but the yes. point of the matter was they were there. And the civil rights movement, what I think you're saying, because the leaders were sold out and bought and paid for by the Democratic Party, they pull the people away from God, away from Christ, away from the church, and to the party that never wanted them in the first place. That's right. And you're right. Uh, I remember having a fight once in high school because I wanted to bat. We were that we were that it was we were playing baseball or something. I wanted to bat and this other guy wanted to go first before me. And we had a fight over the bat who was gonna go up first. <laughs> and before I could get home, my grandparents knew about it. And we didn't have a telephone, so I never figured out how did they hear about it before <laughs> I got home. And and, uh, and that was the type of respect that people had for one another. You know, they respected the parents. They respected and they watched over the children in the right way. And and those things were about. And I had my grandfather and grandmother that were, were there. And when I went to Indiana, my stepfather, my mother was together and everything was just there. Right. But that is broken up. And one of the reasons that broke up is because of the civil rights movement. When the civil rights movement agreed with the Democratic president, Lyndon B. Johnson, mm -hmm. and they signed the bill that it's like they made a deal. Lyndon B. Johnson said to the black so-called leaders, if you give us the black votes, we will let you head up the people. We will give them welfare. We will give them free stuff. And the, Demo and the uh, uh, so-called civil rights leaders agreed to that. They're like, okay, let us be the leaders. You give them money, and we'll guide them right into the arms of the Democratic Party. And that's what happened because prior to that, most black people were Republicans. Republicans yeah. They were not Democrats. I didn't even know a black Democrat growing up. They were, they were Republicans. And they sold the blacks over to the Democratic Party, and they have not recovered from the plantation as of this day. Most of the blacks who vote are still voting for the Democrats. Jesse, this is so sad. You're so right. And I have a two-part question here. 
how were they able to do this? Now, I know the Bible talks about itching ears and you will what you want, you'll get. You'll find people to give you your point of view. The problem with the welfare state, what? The woman couldn't have a man in the home. Right. Couldn't work. Couldn't go to school. And the more kids she had out of wedlock, the bigger her check. How yes. did they sell that? <laughs> By telling them that white people were trying to hold them back. And this is a way to help them. And uh, I was surprised, too, when a lot of men and women fell for that. You know, how do you break up your family for a dollar bill? I literally know men and women who they fell for that. They were married and they fell for that. So whenever the, the welfare officer would come around to check to make sure no man live in the home, the man would leave the house or he would hide somewhere <laughs> when the social worker was coming so that they wouldn't see that a man was in the house. Because if the woman had, had a man in the house, she wasn't going to get a check. And so they were hired to make sure that the woman got the check. But what that did, it made black women believe or feel that they no longer needed a man because they could get a check from the government to take care of the children. And so they no longer needed a man. And, and that's, I mean, that's still happening today with most, not all, black women feel that they don't need a man. They now can get money from the government. As more, and the more babies you have, the more money you get. And so they don't need a man. And the government is bringing them into work now. And they have these daycare centers and things like that. And so this warfare between black men and black women are out of control because the woman is on an ego trip think, thinking that she doesn't need a man at all. And just never returned. And 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 unfortunately, it turned black men into predators because the women can't have a baby without a man. And it took the men out of the responsibility of raising their families. So now you end up on the street and that led to massive incarceration because so many people turned to crime. I, I it's, it's a shame that this went down that way, but that's the way it went down. And now we went through all of that. The one thing I want to add to that, Please the do. unfortunate thing is that when you read the history books about what happened, you don't hear, you don't see that in the history books. And you don't hear the so-called leaders talking about what really happened. They're just making it be about slavery and about the white man trying to keep the black man down. They say it was about racism, but it wasn't about that. It was about selling the blacks to the Democratic Party for a dollar bill and the... the um, the intent to use black so that the so-called black leaders can gain power and wealth for themselves. They would run for office, they would do this, and the blacks would vote for them. And the same old black leaders are still in that those position of power. And it just, it's not getting word. The black leaders are using black people more than the white liberals are using them. They're using blacks for power, perceived power and wealth. They don't care about black people at all. And tell them who the leaders are and people, you know, we've been shouting this. I started this once I got into this type of thing back in the uh, around 2015. But unfortunately, it's a lot of the black pastors. It's a lot of the black civic leaders and it's the black politicians. Yeah. Did I leave, did I leave anybody out? Not yet. <laughs> it's all about the dollar bill. It's not about the soul of the people. They can care less. And I, I can't I almost can't blame them. Because as adults, we are responsible for ourselves. And if we allow someone else to be our God, you, I mean, whether they're intentionally trying to do it or not, 
is still on the individual adult that you allow that to happen. We need to take control of our own life and, and only let God control it. And you can't go wrong that way because you you do the right thing, you be right, you do right because you're being guided by the spirit of God instead of the spirit of the devil. Amen. Okay, so we went through all that. And then you are saying now you can't believe America is where it is. In spite of all that, as bad as that is, you're, you're, and I'm in the same point where I'm looking and saying, I can't believe this country is willing to throw itself over for communists. I, I mean, for, for all this immorality, for everything that is, you know, it's exactly like in Second Timothy about that. And, and in the end of Romans 1, 18 to 32, where he's talking about the unraveling of society, where people are going to be calling bad good, good bad. There'll yeah. be boasters, uh, a lustful after money, no longer respecting authority and everything. You said you never thought it would get this bad. How bad is it? I, I just never imagined that one day in America that black people would allow themselves to be used to usher in destruction upon America. The liberal whites are using them. The, the liberal blacks are using blacks. The uh, right old Republicans, the media, they all use black people when they want to bring hell into the earth, right? Mm -hmm. And like now they have removed by defunding the police, they have removed the police from the scene for the most part. And then they have taken away bail bonds, no bail bond. And they'll open the gates of the prisons and jails and let all the people out. And these people are criminals. They have no respect for the law within or without. And they are now robbing and raping and stealing and knocking out white people and going into their homes and, and just, I mean, there's just no respect at all and the blacks are like too happy to do it. And the government is refusing to do anything about it. And so, and because they want socialism, communism in America, they're trying to reach, you know, change it around. And I just never imagined that one day, I thought people love freedom. I love freedom, right? <laughs> I love freedom within and without. Mm -hmm. And I just never thought when I would see uh, images in other countries where the people were poor and where they were lawless and where they living under dictatorships and things like that. Eating their pets. That. Eating right. their pets, yeah. I know. I used to say there's no way that could happen in America. It just didn't seem that America would give up freedom for lawlessness, for socialism and communism. And that is truly happening in our country. The people have opted out of being free and sold their souls to the devil to be enslaved. And I just never thought that that would happen. I'm looking at the borders right now. They're wide open, wide open. And you have people coming from everywhere and they're bringing in illegal aliens, diseases and crime and drugs and taking jobs away from the American citizens and all that. And no one seemed to, to care about it. They seemed to be okay with it. And I just didn't think that that could be possible in well, America. I thought it could be possible. I just didn't think it would happen in our lifetime because, uh, you know, Satan is is very is very patient, as you know, and he'll he'll wait. And they've moved yeah. this communist football for a hundred years. This has been in the making, but now it they got so close to their goal, they're going for it. They they had their first president and Barack Obama, 
Yeah. You know, that they followed this up. And now when you're looking at AOC and you're looking at Bernie, you're you're looking at people that come flat out like we right here where I live in New York. You just basically had a communist, communist mayor of New York, Bolshevik Bill de Blasio. I mean, you know, you, you, and, and people are just walking around looking at these things like they're normal. And people like you and myself and other people that do what we do are pointing it out and say, don't you understand what's going on here? I use the book a lot, The Naked Communist, written by an FBI agent, uh, former FBI agent, W. Cleon Skousen from 1958, in which he talks about the, the planks of what they were trying to do back in 58. And he talked before, before Senate subcommittee, uh, the House and the Senate. And, and he was talking about gain control of the churches, you know, change the religion from the, the, the Bible, discredit the Bible, uh, usher in homosexuality. Usher in easy divorce, get control of the schools, turn them to transmission belts for socialism, get control of Hollywood, get control of the media, get control of bing, 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 bing. They've done all of this and we are sitting here watching it. And I'm like you, I'm saying, when are we going to put our foot down and stop this before they drive us completely over the killer? Like people like the squad and AOC should scare the heck out of everyone. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I was going to ask you about you lived there in New York. A lot of people had or seem to have had hope that the new mayor, the black guy that at one time was a, a part of the police force there, that he would be different than de Blasio, that he would bring law and order together. What's your impression of the new black mayor they have there in New York? Well, he just started. His name is Eric Adams, and he just started. And all you need to know, he's a Democrat. So, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, and, you're black. and now, yeah. Now, let me tell you what he he's done. The Blasio has set it up and you had to deal with this in part of California. Everybody else. Is open. All the other states are open. If you play in the NBA. Or if you play hockey, professional hockey, all the arenas, with exception of Toronto, were open, except New York. New York was shut down. The Blasio shut New York down that in order to go into restaurants and in order to play in the arenas in New York, meaning the New York Rangers and the New York Knicks, you had to be vaccinated. Also, right. now since Brooklyn is here, Kevin Durant, you know, the new, new James Harden, everybody from the New York, uh, from the from the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving didn't take the shot, or if he did, he's not telling anybody. So they won't they won't let him play. So he can play every place, but in his home arena, yeah. right? But if you are on another team, like you're playing for the Lakers, and you come and you're not vaccinated, you can play against <laughs> the Nets, but he can't play against you. So there's a big uproar and everything because it's also affecting Broadway and all the sex. So. We're waiting to see what the mayor does. Now, you got to remember about 16, 20,000, 30,000, a whole bunch of firemen, first responders, doctors, all kind of medical people, police, people who, when 9-11 hit here, put their lives on the line. Also, people, when this virus hit, didn't know what was going on, kept their jobs, were doing their thing, trying to keep, keep the, the economy going. They lost their jobs if they didn't take this shot. Right which I would, yeah. I'm not about to take, but here's, but here's the point. So the mayor two weeks ago decides, here's what his brilliant decision was. If you are a professional athlete or an entertainer, you can perform in New York without taking the shot. But the rest <laughs> of you people, teachers, firemen, policemen, 
Yeah, I saw that. I'm See, like, now I was thinking he's going to say it's across the board. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Well, these also, people bring saw, in gener- these people bring in money to the city as the you know place. Yeah, that's what it is. I thought I also saw when they said that Irving guy before they decided this decision, he can go to the games without a mask. He can sit in there and watch the games, but right. he just can't play. I'm like, what's the difference? And and I did see where they said, okay, the the teams can play, but the the real workers, you got to take the shot before you can go to work. Are you disappointed that this mayor is doing this? Did you expect better from him? No. Do you expect better from any Democrat? No. See, they're all down for this. They're part of revolution. They're down for the struggle. You know, this is a man that I do think has some ideas about law and order because he comes from a police background. But notice he's not taking back the cops that didn't take the shot. Right. You know, so yeah. see, but but there, see, but you don't get to be the mayor of of uh, of uh, any major city anymore or the or the governor of a red of a blue state. These people are part of the revolution. And yeah. he I don't know if he's a Marxist social. I, I don't I don't I live on Long Island, so he, I, he's out of my district. I'm an hour away. Oh, OK. But just understanding how everything goes in New York, New York still is the bastion of liberalism and people just put up with this stuff. They yeah. had a communist mayor and they, they reelected him. I mean, you know, de Blasio, it, it's, it's, it's amazing to me what this stuff is. Now I want my, my answer to that is anything that stands for God, family, country, constitution, and it starts with a hatred of God and the Judeo Christian values this country was based upon. Yeah, you can't have socialism, which leads to communism with that, because just like you said, either God is going to provide your sustenance or the government's going to be your daddy. You can't have both. That's for sure. So anybody that's like if Donald Trump says God, Christmas, Jesus, er, you know, <laughs> the Democrat. Yeah. So that that's that's what I think that. Yeah, they're all against this to bring God. Well, down. Christianity is the most hated religion on this side of heaven. Because Christianity says that you must be born again. You must be born of God. And the one thing that socialist, communist people don't like is God. They do not want you to put God before them. And so that's that's why Christianity is under attack. And they are trying to totally wipe it out, period. They'd rather have the Allah Abba religion before they have Christianity. And they seem to protect the Muslim religion over Christianity, because Christianity is the only religion that I'm aware of that says that we have to admit we're wrong and we have to repent. We must be born again of God. And no other religion says that. And because of that, when we break down Christianity, when you destroy it, all hell come through because there's nothing else to stop it. Right. Now, my my response to that I've never looked at Christianity as a religion. What I look at Christianity is a relationship. See, Christianity to me is God doing something for us, unmerited favor, because when we fell in the garden, that was it. And, and he doesn't he didn't have to do this, but he sent Jesus Christ. Jesus came, came God in the flesh. God, the son came in the flesh to pay the price for our sin. It's exactly what you said, a relationship born again between a person and God. That's a relationship, yeah. and there's nothing we can do to earn heaven. 
religion is man's attempt to get into heaven by earning his way in <laughs> to a God that doesn't exist. Because yeah. see, the real God, you can't earn it. It's a gift. Well, okay. Christianity just say it's, uh, it's, you know, someone asks, well, what religion are you? You say Christian, you're saying right. that I'm Christ-like, like, you know, yeah. like the spirit of, of Christ. But it is about the spirit. Mm -hmm. That's why uh, God said to walk in the spirit mm -hmm. and live in the spirit. But it just says Christ-like, you know, you have perfect love, you, you're living by the spirit of God and in the spirit. And that's what you really do because we are a spirit created in the image of God. We're not our body. We live in the body. But our nature, our true nature, those who have been born again, is that of God. Mm -hmm. And you notice this the only religion that's attacked worldwide. You yeah. don't see them attacking anybody. Yeah, nobody's attacking Hindus and Muslims and Buddhists <laughs> and Hare Krishnas in this country. And they're not. Or, you know, Sikhs. They're, nobody's attacking them because they, they know who the real God is. Jesse, yeah, please tell them about religion yeah. that's being attacked. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They, right. Because the, the, Satan knows who the real enemy is. Everybody yeah. else is on his side. Uh, please tell them about the, the the book, The Antidote. Okay, we've talked about what's wrong with America and kind of how we've gotten here. Your book, this is what people need now. The Antidote, Healing America from the Poison of Hate, Blame, and Victimhood. How do we how do we flip this script and get, get back on the path to righteousness, morality, and healing? Well, in the book, I, I talk about how to overcome, but I lay out the fact that the people who, the blacks, especially the blacks, but not only, are following. We really, really read the history of those people, like the fallen Messiah, Barack Obama, uh, uh, Muhammad Ali, and others, Louis Farrakhan, and Al Sharpton, and all those guys. The one thing that was missing in their lives were their fathers. They all grew up without fathers, so they grew up angry, and they grew up uh, insecure, and they grew up like anyone would grow up who doesn't have a father, who's not close to his or her father, right? And so I write about what happens to those people as a result of not having fathers. And then I write about how to follow, drop, you know, f turn away from those people and turn back to God. Because if you don't do that, you're just, you're going to end up that way too. And it's going to go on from generation to mm -hmm. generation to generation to generation. I write about how Louis Farrakhan's mother said that she had wanted to, thought of or wanted to take a clothes hanger or something and abort him. I believe it was Louis Farrakhan or Jackson, one of those guys, I can't remember now. <laughs> but she wanted to abort him with a clothes hanger. And can you imagine hearing that from your mother as a child? Hearing her say something like that? And uh, um, Barack Obama grew up without his father. And when you grow up without your father, you have you grow up angry. You grow up Lost, you grow up yearning for your father, and but you try to replace him with other things, people, places, things, and that's not going to happen. So I wanted the people to see the depths of what's going on with their so-called leaders, in hopes that they would turn back to God themselves, so that God can leave them and not another human being. I hear you. I hear you. Now, Jesse Lee, you you caused me a little bit of pain back in the day, and I'm going <laughs> to tell you why. All right. On Sunday night, I used to go in my tub and uh, put hot water in there, some Epsom salt, <laughs> little bubble bath, and sit in the tub, take a book in, and 
read a chapter or two. I went in with your book, Scam, How the Black Leadership Exploits America, sat in the tub, put a little Epsom salt in there, a little bubble bath, and to read a chapter or so of Scam, and got so engrossed in Scam, by the time I came out of the tub, I looked like a prune. <laughs> what That's a book. Amazing. What a book. I remember those days when uh, my grandmother had us make us take a bath, and she would put a little Epsom salt in the water. And uh, I, I don't do that now because I mostly take showers. I, you know, I guess I don't have time or make time for a bath. But I remember those Epsom salt days for those, for those baths. You come out feeling really clean and, and really nice when you get out of there. Well, but the I'm reason I did it, I walk. I walk three to five miles a day, four to five. Man, you know, and at my advanced age, I have knee right. issues, so I do that to keep that knee going. But the key thing was I am just saying that scam and the cover – the cover of your book, I'm looking at Farrakhan, uh, Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton, and I think this uh, the woman, I think, is Maxine Waters. Yeah, I'm not Maxine sure. Waters, right. the Wicked Witch of the Wicked West. Of the West. And she's out there with you. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's another thing. Before you tell people about Scam, how can you live? I, I, I know you've been in Los Angeles for a long time. And before I became a Christian, I loved L.A. I, yeah. I used to write for Newsday, uh, the newspaper. I covered the Knicks during the glory days, so magic— all those Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Elijah Wan matchups in the playoffs. I was sitting right there, uh, you know, a press side for all of that. I loved L.A. I wanted to move there at one time when I was married. I can't stand L.A. or New York, but how can how, how can you how can you take it out there now? Because it's it's gone completely yeah. off the rails. When I first moved here in 1968, I walked off the plane. I thought California was paradise on earth. There you go. It was there like beautiful and clean and palm trees and no homeless people on the streets and no illegal aliens and job opportunities were everywhere. And I liked the building, the, the, the way they built the buildings. I just literally thought that it was paradise. And I never imagined one day moving away from California. But I'm at a point now I have no other choice that I have to move my company. And so we're moving down to Florida, Orlando, Florida hopefully before the year is up because of high taxes and regulations, mm -hmm. restrictions and homelessness and crime and, and high gas prices and food prices. And I had wanted to buy a building here in LA, but it's impossible now because the prices are through the roof and the regulation, you can't even build or design the building the way you want to because they try to tell you how to do it. And then now they're talking about, I just heard a report that in L.A. they're offering what they call uh, free money. And I think it's like, I'm not sure about the amount, but I think I heard $10,000 a month for the homeless people. They they call it guaranteed pay or something like that. They're giving away the money to the homeless people, and, that, uh, and they call it low-income people. And that means our taxes are going to go even higher and things are going to get worse because you're going to have more homeless people moving to L.A. So I'm at a point now where I got to move and I never imagined doing that. So hopefully by the end of the year, I'll be out of here and down in Orlando, Florida, if it's God's will. Where there's no state tax. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And I was down there looking around a couple of weeks ago 
And it's just beautiful. It's yeah. like I went back in time before America became what it is today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've spent a lot of time in Orlando too. It's a, it's 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 a beautiful. It used to be a beautiful place. I haven't been there in a while. Please tell well, people about Scam. What the premises of Scam? Once again, is to lay out what Jesse Jackson and others are doing to the blacks, because the blacks have faith in these people. They believe in the civil rights movement. I saw, uh, I mean, the civil rights leaders. I saw a report this morning where Maxine Waters is uh, offering free money or voucher systems or something like that for the homeless people to get houses, you know? And I remember once I heard Maxine Waters say at a, one of those community meetings thing, she got up and she said uh, to the black people, the Republican Party wanted to tear down the projects. And she named all the projects in L.A., or several of them, uh, joined down and other projects here. And she said, I'm not going to let the Republican Party tear down the projects in L.A. It's not going to happen. And not only am I not going to let them tear them down, I'm going to build more projects for you. We're going to build new. <laughs> and the people went, praise the Lord. Hey, man. Oh, my gosh. They were, like, all happy about it. And then... While she's living in an over $3 million home in a nice area there. And so today she's still offering them vouchers. And a truckload of people showed up. And they didn't have, they ran out of vouchers, I guess. And the people like, where, where's mine? Where's mine? She's like, go home and come back later and check back. And the people like, we don't have a home. That's why we're here. Yeah, right. To get some of this free stuff. <laughs> oh, and they're man. following people like Maxine Waters. Whereas in the good old days, black people would never put another person over them. They took care of themselves. They worked for themselves. They bought their own land. They raised their own families. They did not rely on Maxine Waters or Jesse Jackson or Louis Farrakhan to do or think for them at all. And Louis Farrakhan is so wicked, well, they all are. Louis Farrakhan believed that white people was uh, was uh, built in a laboratory that some smart black people at some point turned evil because he believed blacks are the first on the earth and they were smart. And some black men turned evil and went into a laboratory and created the white man. And that's how we ended up with the blue-eyed devil. Uh, and Louis Farrakhan can't believe that. And the people follow him. He's teaching evil while pretending he is teaching the blacks to be independent. But they're relying on his words and his words are not true at all. You're right about that. And uh, speaking of evil, I'm going to bring up what I consider the latest resident evil to come down the pike. And I'm going to do a mic drop here. You know what a mic drop is, right? When someone says some smart and then throw the mic down? Yeah, I'm going to I'm just going to say say the say three words and drop the mic and let <laughs> you take over. <laughs> Critical race theory. What an evil idea, man. <laughs> It, it, it blows my mind that white Americans would allow their children to be taught that from these evil teachers, evil schools. But there are many white people who are sending their children to these schools where the teachers are telling the black children they're better than the white children and telling the white children that they're evil. They're born that way. They're just There's no hope for them. And in many cases, they have the kids get up in classroom and admit that they're that way. Talking about dividing a country 
if we don't become one nation under God again, it's just no way because we are so divided and critical race theory is only enhancing that. It will only get worse to get better. And it's hard on the children because kids don't see it that way. When they're children, they're just children. They don't care about the color unless you have influenced them to focus on that. They just care about being kids and having fun and living their life. But they're trying to make all white people look like race, racist, evil people who are deliberately trying to hold the blacks back. That's an evil idea. Can you imagine if white people had come up with a program like that where they're going to teach their children that they're better than the black children, outright teach it to them? That would never happen in America, but it's happening now with the blacks doing it to the whites. Yeah, yeah, uh, it, it, it's. I I'm surprised. I'm surprised how white America is putting up with this stuff. I'm. Waiting, I, I I talked to some of my wife. Said, when are people going to put their foot down and say, Hey, look, I'm not a racist, and and I'm not this and I'm not that, and my family didn't have slaves, and if they did, that's on them. That's not on me. That's right. You know. And That's I'm right. surprised they're just allowing this. And I want you to expound on this because I've heard you talk about this, how blacks are using the word racism to their advantage to to really flip a script that doesn't even need to be flipped, to try and make people feel guilty for stuff they haven't done. Yeah. As I've been saying for a long time, there's no such thing as racism, sexism, sexism. homophobism, Islamophobism, Allahuabaism, there be dadism, white supremacism, or antisemitism. No ism. It's either right or wrong, good or evil. Mm-hmm. But the blacks have noticed over the years that white people won't speak up. They will not say, hey, I'm not a racist. I'm not against you. You go out there and do your thing. I don't care. I have to take care of myself. And they have noticed over the years that white people would not defend themselves, even with that. Now the blacks are using, and the liberal whites, whenever they want to get ahead with blacks, they use the word racism. They throw it out there because they know that white people are not going to say or do anything. And they use racism for everything. I mean, I want to go to the bathroom. There are white people in line. And if they don't let me in the front of the line, then they're racist. <laughs> it's like, it looked like somebody would say, no, that's not true. You're using racism for everything. It's not about everything, even if it existed, which it doesn't. But even if racism existed, everything is not racism. But they see they can get away with it, and now they're using it for everything. There's not one thing they don't use it for. Is this being combated in California? Because I know uh, I know in Virginia, some people went hard after the schools and in Florida uh, and, and after the schools and the school boards that are trying to sneak this stuff in, even in uh, in the elementary school. Uh, and we don't even the transgender. That's a whole nother issue. But uh, is this being is this being combated in Florida? Or are they just drinking the Kool-Aid? In California, they are drinking the Kool-Aid. Yeah, that's what I meant in California. Ugh. Yeah, there are a few people you'll find hearing about that's trying to speak out against it. But it is there is not a real fight at all in California against racism. The whites are just afraid of what might happen to them. They don't want to be called racism. I remember when I was growing up, we were taught sticks and stones may break mm. my bones, but words would never harm me. We just, we were 
my parents, my grandparents and others, they didn't care about what you call them. Call them whatever they want, right? And so calling them names didn't stop them from speaking up. But white people today are afraid of being called racism. They're afraid of losing something. They're afraid of being labeled a racist. And so they're not speaking up because of that fear. And the worst thing you can have in life is fear. You bring the worst out of your enemy when you have fear. And whites have done that with the blacks. They brought the worst out of the blacks by not speaking up. I guarantee you that if white people have been speaking up all along, we would not have this mess going on in the country today, this fake idea of racism. But the whites have not stopped it. If they start today saying, I'm not a racist, I'm not giving you something because of your color. It reminds me of this judge that Joe Biden want to put on the uh, U.S. Supreme mm, Court. Kennedy Brown, yeah. The woman is not even qualified. And he made it clear he wasn't looking for a qualified person. He was looking for a liberal black female. Someone that would agree with him. You don't need to be qualified. So no qualification is needed. And they're putting this woman on the court. It looks like she's going to be nominated for the court. If they put that woman on the court, it's gone. It's gone. It's going to become a hood. It's going to become worse than the post office because these people, they don't build, they destroy. They don't make America better. They make it worse. And when you put them in power like that, you're giving them authority to destroy America. And once you get on the court, it's over for the court. I noticed they're trying to get Jessica Clarence Thomas off the court by trying to say that he has something to do with what his wife said about January 6th or something like that. And so they're going after him. He had nothing to do with that. But they're trying to get rid of a good, decent Christian conservative man and replace it with this fake black liberal female. You know, when he when Clarence went in the hospital, me and my friends, we were praying that he came out because yeah. I'm like, oh, gosh. I hope they don't get him in there. And, you know, based on what you just said, the sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Now, I know Will Smith grew up in uh, Philadelphia, but maybe maybe he forgot that. Yeah. Apparently, I was at first I thought it was a it was staged. I thought it was an act. And it took me a while to believe that it was real because this guy, he walked up on the stage, slowly walked up and smacked another man in the face. And then go back to his seat and yelled out, stop, uh, don't mention my wife. My you effing know. wife. Name yeah, yeah, my, yeah. Who does things like, who would do something like that at what's supposed to be a decent entertainment event, right? Entertaining event. And so I thought it was a stage, but apparently it wasn't. But that's what's happening today, though. People are angry, especially the blacks, and they're allowed to be angry, and they're allowed to get away with it unimaginable things because they say they are angry and no one is really trying to show them how to overcome or stop the anger. They are catering to it. And so we can now expect the Academy Award. I think that's what it was. Yeah, to it's, become, mm-hmm. it's going to become the Academy uh, hood. There will be more fights there. There's going to be more drama there. The classiness of the Academy Award is gone. It's over now. And completely over because you allow these people to take over. Well, the weird thing about it uh, was that I, I stopped watching that stuff years ago. Me and too. 
And what ended up happening, nobody was watching. I think it was the second lowest rating, but rated. But as soon as that happened, everybody was on there. Uh, everybody was messaging everybody. You got to put the wards on. So the ratings went through the roof after that <laughs> because people started saying, you got to you're never, not going to believe what's going on at the Academy Awards. So, yeah. you know, there's some, some craziness, uh, you know, along those lines. I got to ask you a personal question. People love drama anyway. They yeah. love they yeah. love mess. Yeah. I got to ask you for the ego. Yeah. Got to ask you a personal question. Yes. You have been a beacon of truth for so long and swimming upstream. How have you managed to stay bulletproof? Because, you know, they try and tear down anybody that's not on the Democratic plantation and anybody with a mic, a voice, the love of God, everything about you, you're like the left's worst nightmare. How have you been able to survive? And has it been hard? Have there been, you know, threats? Have it, has it been rough on your family? Uh, how, how have you been able to survive 30 years of doing this? Well, number one, I uh, the only reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because of God, because I never imagined doing anything like what I've been doing for 32 years. I didn't grow up thinking I would be doing this. I didn't even, it just wasn't a part of my thought at all that one day I'll be doing what I'm doing. So it's definitely from God. And because it came directly from him, he has, he's protecting me from my enemies. And believe me, I've been under all kinds of attack over the last 32 years, uh, called names and had guns drawn on me and all kinds of things. Uh, people turned against me, but there is something as of this day, I don't know what tomorrow I'm gonna bring, that will not, I can't see myself stopping. It's like something is driving me, uh, unspoken thing is driving me to do what I do. I literally cannot turn away from it, even if I wanted to, out of fear or whatever, right? I literally cannot help myself. And so it's God being with me. It's he who is working through me to cause me to do what I'm doing. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. I would have given up a long time ago. Yeah, so I, I, I just take it one yeah. day at a time. I know it's from him and not from me because I, I would not have had the courage or the insight to do what I'm doing. So I'm doing it until he says stop. And that's what's been happening. I've been protected by him and I'm grateful. Yeah. Uh, my other personal question is one of the things that's so disheartening to me and and you you have to understand that you you just do you do it for the love of Christ for the love of man and that is in witnessing to uh, to the lost and so few people want to hear about being saved so few people want to hear about God and it and it's the same thing in dealing with our, our black brothers and sisters who don't want to hear about being a conservative about the country, about being, you know, uh, got it, it, it. Are you having any success? And 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 I know you are because I know you are flipping votes and flipping people's minds and and getting people to change. But there's so many that don't. That is it. it how do you balance that? Is it, a, you know, a, a very disheartening thing that very few people, at least to me come around and, and we've been watching it for years. We've been watching gr great candidates and people and we think, okay, Trump's gonna get 30% of the black vote or this is gonna, and, and, and it just never happens. Well, as you, you mentioned earlier that only a few will find a straight and narrow path. 
And I'm I'm happy when one person wake up, you know, when one person return to the father. So I'm not into the number thing because I realize that and once again you mentioned that most people are starting to take that wide road that leads to destruction. And so God is looking for that one that's looking for him. And so that's the way I operate. I just put the word out there and and the one wake up. I'm as happy for that one as I would be for a thousand. And fortunately, we are working with people around the world now. I never imagined that. But I counsel every day. And I, on my show, we get calls from people around the world. There are people waking up around the world. And so the, the ones that are, that's the ones that, those are the ones that are seeking God. The ones who are not, nothing I can do about it. No gain, no loss. Mm-hmm. And it's on them because only a few will find that straight and narrow path. And that's who God is looking for, those who are looking for him. This is true. That's a great but I answer. Noticed, yeah. I noticed it's the same cause and effect around the world. Same spirit, same cause, mm-hmm. the same overcoming. And a lot of men and women are looking at themselves now. They're dropping the anger by forgiving their parents. And they're returning to God. And they're seeing what's really, really going on. From Africa to... Uh, South Korea, Europe, all over the place, people are waking up. And I never imagined seeing that through bonds. So I'm grateful for that. Right. And I'm glad you brought that up because my next question was going to be to tell people about bond, why you founded it. You're the president and founder of bond, which is the brotherhood organization of a new destiny, which is about rebuilding the family through rebuilding the man. Please tell us why you started and what bond does. Well, long story short is when God woke me up by allowing me to see that it was the anger that I had that um, was holding me back in in life because I was in the darkness and I didn't know it. And so he allowed me to see that I needed to forgive my mother who tried to turn me away from my father. And the worst thing that can happen to children, period, is to be turned away from their fathers and leave an emptiness and leave like a yearning for the father but because you're now angry in the same manner that your mother's angry, you start living in your imagination thinking that that yearning is for a job or a house or friends or this or that. But it's really a yearning for the father. And so he allowed me to see that. And I went and forgave my mother because God said, if you forgive others, he will forgive you. Right. So yeah. I apologized to her. It was the hardest thing to do is to face my mother. Uh, and it, it's that way for all people almost. The hardest, they'd rather face Hitler than to face their mothers because they have this false idea that mother loved them and the mother's the victim and the mother's this and that, but she's really not the victim. She's the victimizer. And because you resent your mother, it's hard to face who you resent because they control you. And so I went and forgave my mother. I said, hey, I'm sorry for resenting you. I realize now you can help it. And I become like you, and I see now that I can't help myself. So you can. So at 38, I forgave her. When I apologized for resenting her, God forgave me. And I talked to my father, and he explained what happened. And my father and I became close, my earthly father. We became very close. But when I forgave them, God forgave me, and he opened my eyes. He took the anger out of my heart, and he allowed me to see. And then he caused me to realize that at the time, it was pretty much geared toward black people. Bond was. 
uh, that the blacks are suffering not because of racism, but because of the yearning of the father. They've been turned away from their fathers. They had no love. So I started Bond in order to point that out to the blacks. But the message applies to all of mankind. So I started getting calls and things of other people who wanted to join the organization. And so I opened it up to everyone. And there were some blacks that was there at the time, and they didn't want other races to be a part of it. They didn't want the whites to be a part of it, anyone. So they left. But when they left, that was fine with me. I just, I just took it as I do today, one day at a time. And due to the grace of God, it's happening on its own. I'm just following the lead of what's happening. I'm not in charge of it. God is truly in charge of it because I wouldn't know what to do if God was not leading me. Yeah, and 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 it counsels and it what exactly? How does it so, work? How does it yeah, we uh, first we show men how to overcome the anger. We work with women too now. We show them how to overcome anger by going and forgiving their mothers and grandmothers. Is and this through so we, seminars or, yeah, or do they come counsel, in or do you counsel through videos? We counsel, or we counsel truckloads of people around the world by phone or Skype or, uh, I mean, FaceTime. FaceTime or they can come in if they're in L.A., make an appointment and come in. So we counsel every first Thursday night. We have meetings for men only, forms for men only, and whatever happened in those forms, whatever we talk about, it stays there. And then the third Thursday night, we have forms for ladies only. And then the Sunday morning, church for everybody and their mama, the whole family of all races. And uh, we have an entrepreneur academy where we're showing these guys how to start businesses if they want to. And we started a credit union so we can loan the money to them if they need it. And they pay it back so we can keep the credit union going. But and we show them how to save 10% of their money so they can eventually buy a house or a piece of land or something like that. And just, but the most important thing is for them to take hold of their own lives without needing an outside leaders, but let the, let the spirit of God guide them from within. Yeah. And I remember back in the day, you, you, you were instrumental in helping to get a lot of, a lot of young uh, people off the streets and out of a life of crime. Yeah. Yeah. We've had amazing effect over the years. And that is due to the grace of God. Is uh, a whole lot of guys are just waking up, waking up, and they'll realize, wow, I was sleeping. I didn't know it because that anger keeps them in their imagination. And God said that we should not live by imagination, paraphrasing, but we should not be into the imagination. All thoughts are all lies all the time about anything. So we should come out of the imagination, which is the darkness. We should come out of it into the light. And we want to live by the light. And once you drop the anger, that is what happens. Right. Now, you out there, you you out in L.A., unfortunately, thug life was big. Gang life was big. How was there a conflict between Bond and the street gangs? Not that I'm aware of, because at one time I would be working in South Central uh, Los Angeles and I would be talking to gang members in jails and different prisons and not only in California, but in Michigan and other parts of the country. And when they hear the message of forgiveness, and especially to forgive their mothers, they were, many of them would just sob. They would cry because no one ever told them that they had to overcome anger. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, many times I heard, well, why didn't somebody say this? Why didn't someone tell us? Uh, why didn't our parents or someone say it? 
even the preachers who visit the church, uh, the prisons and jails, uh, the Catholic priests and all them, they would never tell them that they need to forgive their mothers. They need to drop the anger because a lot of them, once you explain to them what it's all about, they can clearly see, oh, that makes sense, but I just didn't know it. And unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, they have life sentences in, you know, in prison for the rest of their life. And so, but they regret not seeing that before they committed the crime. Yeah, yeah. Jesse, this has been, I've just really enjoyed speaking with you, you know, my brother in Christ, but a man of so much wisdom and knowledge. And you have taken what you talk and you have walked it. And and uh, boy, what a story. Please tell people how they can reach you and anything you would like to promote, where they can hear your your uh, radio show, where to get your YouTube videos and any books or any your, your, your dot coms or anything where they can find Jesse Lee Unplugged. Uh, amazing. Thank you. Well, they can definitely go to rebuildingtheman.com, rebuildingtheman.com, and, and or jesseleepeterson.com, jesseleepeterson.com. And that way they can hear my shows and watch my shows Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, jesseleepeterson.com. And on, on, those, on there we have a store where we have different merch and things like that. Uh, they can hear and watch the church live, no matter where they are, by going to rebuildingaman.com slash church. Um, but, and what I want to encourage them is that they got to drop the anger because anyone that has anger, Satan is your daddy, he's your God. So you're living in the darkness of your imagination. You can't see what you're doing. You can't help yourself. But if they drop the anger, don't ask for forgiveness, but go and forgive. I'm sorry for being angry at you, I realize you couldn't help yourself. And God will forgive you and your life, you will start to live. So they got to drop the anger if they want to be free. Nothing else can do it. No material thing or person or anything can cause you to overcome the anger. You got to see that you have it. Go and forgive. That's what it means to repent. Repent for judging, for being angry, playing God, because there's only one God. And once you forgive, you could be free. It will become amazing. And one last thing, on my website, I have uh, the silentprayer.video, www.silentprayer.video. And God said, when you pray, go in your closet, mean go within, be still and know him. And when you're quiet and, and he'll bring you out of your imagination, you'll start to see him and he will guide you. So you got to be quiet be still and know God so you can overcome the devil. And so I encourage them to do the silent prayer dot video. Uh, words of wisdom from a man that has accrued wisdom because he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Jesse, thank you for coming on. You've been a wonderful guest. You're always welcome to come back to the show. And I, I really enjoyed this. And I'm sure everybody's going to enjoy listening to this. So God bless you. Thank God you. bless your family. You too, man. Thank you so much for having me on, and God bless you as well. Thank you. There we have it. The Reverend Jesse Lee Peterson dropping mega doses of knowledge. I want to thank Jesse Lee Peterson for setting straight the record on so many issues that intentionally are being twisted to mirror the agenda of the unholy trio, the destructive Democratic Party, the disingenuous mainstream media, and political correctness. Keep blasting out truth in your ministry and in your writings and over the airwaves, Jesse. 
This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. There you have it for now, friends. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America.